everybody. Welcome to the Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Hummison. As always, join with me, Pastor Nick Pierce, a.k.a. The Good Vicar. Dude, it's sticking now. No, it's not. It's Nobody a, is saying I've that. had two or three people come up to me like, I, I called Nick The Good Vicar. Or I texted him. I told you it's going to stick. That will be my legacy at Calvary. That's, that's, that's what you want to leave <laughs> that's behind. The, that's the legacy I want to leave behind. Oh, so, goodness. Well, hey, oh, welcome wow. to The Breakdown. Whether you're listening on uh, your favorite podcasting platform or you're watching on YouTube, we're grateful that you've taken some time to sit and listen to us crazy pastors talk about whatever it is that we're going to talk about. Today, we are on, I believe, episode seven. Seven. We did not do a breakdown last week. We did not. Why not? Because you were lazy or you didn't want to do it. Not true at all. We went to, so every year we go on a pastor's conference. And so Calvary Chapel, uh, one of the things that they do as an association of churches, uh, I think really well is pastor's conferences. And so we go and it is a time where for the four of us pastors, we get to unplug we don't have to be in charge of anything, so mm-hmm. none of us are worried about, yeah. are the lights up? Is the temperature right in the room? Is somebody at the hub? Somebody is there plenty else's of, problem. Yeah, it's everything else is everybody else's problems. And and the church we go to is Calvary Chapel, Merritt Island, and just want to say thank you to those guys down Which, there. Which, kudos. I don't know why anybody would be listening from, but seriously, they put on a phenomenal conference. In every way. Now, we unplug from Calvary Chapel Lake of the Ozarks. Yeah. And for three days, we plug into fire hydrant drinking. So the conference starts on a Monday at noon. I figured this up when we were out there. Yeah. So it starts Monday at noon and it ends Wednesday at noon. So 48 hours. And we we slept 12 of them. Yeah, we slept 12 probably (laughs) out of those three days. And then we were in over 12 hours of like just prayer, worship, or Bible teaching. We did 10 sessions from different pastors in that Southeast region, uh, which is only just Florida, really. Uh, The rest of it's a different region. So it's just Florida, um, which are some pretty good-sized churches of the Calvary Chapel movement down there. Um, But 10 sessions walking through the attributes of God. And so uh, for some people at this table, it's like just geek out after geek out. and, And I love it. Other people at this table mean it's, it's, I'm, I'm other jaron's like five minutes into it my brain is melting and because no, you this, try to process it is it's it's so hard, hard for you to process all that because you want to sit and think about it yeah and then in five minutes it's like all right let's get back in here for in another 15 session. session it's like hold on i'm still processing like the first two points of the 12 points from the first session yeah this year was different i it was. like this year was incredibly challenging for me um it was really good i don't feel like i struggled as much this year as mm-hmm. i did last year i think because i went into it last year not knowing what yeah you did yeah it was, it was my, your first one yeah last it was my year. first one so i kind of knew going into it and prepped like flush out the mind don't <laughs> oh, think yeah. about anything else it was so good it's a fire hydrants of god word and and that's the kicker is like um that's not time that we spent hanging out talking over dinner like there was multiple times you know at our condo that we were just talking about calvary and ministry yeah. And it gives a chance for us as pastors, like, because again, here we're, we're, we're busy, we're doing the Lord's work. But for me as, as the lead guy to be able to look at you and be like, you know, how's your family? How's yeah. your walk with the Lord? Yeah. Like, what's the Lord doing in your life? We don't have as much time to really get deep into that. Yeah. And so, um, and, and we, we discuss anything and everything, like anything's on the table yep. about the church, about home anything. And so it really is just a great time. We, I come back refreshed from those. I come back challenged. Um, and, and so I still see a lot of fruit in that. And, and what's really neat is to see how our people here at Calvary Chapel Lake of the Ozarks will, they really will be praying for us through that, knowing that like, Hey, this is good that we get away. Um, my wife's the same way. Like she like intentionally tries not to like call much. She's just like, Hey, like, you know, yeah. maybe in the morning and before the kids go to bed. But other than that, she's like, I know you're down there and try to respect that time. And so it's even cool to see that from her, like the sacrifice our wives make, yeah. you know, let alone the ministry, the church, like all of us are behind now with our weekly task and ministry things that we need to do. But it, it is a good reason. Like yeah. when you weigh that out uh, compared to, oh, I need to get these things done. It's like, nope, we need that time yeah. to get away. And that's something that I inherited uh, from my senior pastor where I was at before that's, that was the first one I went to and it was just really good. So, so that's where we're at. But 
because we were gone, a lot of hate mail, a lot of hate mail. We, we've got bags and bags of hate mail that we need. We're still going through it of my wife. We were in Florida and she texted me like, not, Hey, safe flight. Did you make it? Okay. Did you, have you, Oh, you told me the realization. She just said, she's like, Hey, you're not going to do a breakdown. How are you going to do that? You're going to do that from there. Like she was more worried about the breakdown than anything else. And to be fair, we did talk about taking the podcast equipment down we thought and doing it. it. And it was like, no, like let's be intentionally there. Yeah. We can yeah. come back. So today we're going to break down the last two weeks. So it could be Which a long one, one. Easy, ear tickling. That's exactly right. Soft, feel good. Sermon. Feel good. Like if you Oprah. haven't listened to the last two weeks, <laughs> uh, everybody's dying for this podcast because of everything. Oh my gosh. Talked about the yes. last two weeks. So just to preface, uh, we may split this up into two. We may leave it Let's one long go. one. Whatever just feels spur of the moment. Uh, this one has a little bit more of a of a timeline kind of template just to make sure we want to do due diligence. Sunday was good. Okay. I, I don't. Sunday was not the day that I think people it's really wrestled week. with. Yeah. I, people were still coming up to me wrestling with two weeks ago, going like. Please tell me Nick's not going to geek out again. Like I, you know, I need and I could have time. You there could've. was something in this week's text I could have geeked out, and I literally you said, "I don't think we can handle." And they're not way. ready for this. They're not. Yeah, we got to let the brains soft, like just to cool down a little bit to fire that back up. So no, but it's it's been really cool the conversations that that at least I know I've heard. I'm sure that you've heard. Um, you know, for me, I've had three or four very specific conversations with people in in some. Uh, way effects that were either I, I wouldn't say ticked off no cha- incredibly challenged um confused because it went against everything that they were kind of ever taught in church or no one was willing to say the things you said yeah so that was like okay oh, whoa I need to I really need to go home and process yeah. that and so and just the level of depth that I think it brought where yeah. normally like we we lean into that here here at Calvary Chapel Lake of the Ozarks. So like we, Sometimes so much that I wish we didn't. <laughs> yeah, we, we're going to lean into it. And one of the things I think, I forget what service I said it two weeks ago when I was like, all right, we're going to geek out here. Um, and, and the reason for me, one of the reasons I love to geek out, um, I always want to be able to show that our faith in Jesus, Christianity, is far deeper mm, than what yeah. anybody honestly knows, even me. I mean, there are things that somebody will teach on and reveal, and it's like, that is a deep pool of God's word right yeah. there, or his character, his essence, or of what salvation is, or there's some correlation that I never caught in yeah. the Bible. Like, and and it was fun when we were young in our faith learning some of these f- foundational yeah. entry-level yeah. type of things. Like I remember uh, the first time me and my wife learned that between the Old Testament and the New Testament was 400 years. Oh, the intertestamental period. Yeah. Yep. Look at you. Intertestamental period. That's right. I pay yeah, attention to my Bible classes. Let's go. But Don't quiz me on anything else. But then when, and when you put that in the context of how old you know, the United States is as a nation, it's like, we haven't even reached that yet. And to know that the prophecy, like, that makes prophecy from the Old Testament to Jesus fulfilling it in the New so much more like yep. this was hundreds of years. It wasn't like, and then the next day Jesus was born, you know, page, you yeah. Know. Like Malachi was his older cousin. Like, no, like this was huge. There was some time. And so, and so all we're doing is those same things. We just keep going. Yep. And I think I said Sunday, like nobody is touching the bottom of the pool. We know there's a bottom somewhere. Maybe we haven't found it yet. And that's the cool thing. Yeah. And, and so this is what I think about. You know, when I can't sleep at night and like the geek out of in my brain of just thinking the things. Yeah, really. <laughs> like God is infinite. And so for him, there is no bottom. The only bottom that he has re- of the pool of the depth is what he has willingly revealed of himself. Mm. You know what I mean? So like if we were to swim deep down, snorkel, scuba diving, and hit the bottom of the pool. That's only what he's allowed us. That's only what I've allowed you to understand. So God is infinite. And even in his, so he can't be. not what I think of when I don't sleep. And he can't be limited in his attributes. So there's even things about God that we don't know that he has not shown us, I believe, until the other side of glory. And he's like, all right, now let me reveal even more that mm. you, you know, it's so like, there's just, it's just like, 
mind boggling. Yeah. Like, well, what are they? I don't know. The same thing when people are like, what are the crowns, you know, in heaven? I, I don't know what those are, but if the Lord's given them out, <laughs> I want to be in line yeah. for that. Yeah. And so I always want to show the depth of Christianity because all of us are challenged to keep going deeper with the Lord. And, and it's, it might be in our obedience, it might be in our trust, and it's going to be in our knowledge of who God is. Yeah. There is a reason for that. Just like both of us are married, we, we knew our wives at a certain level when we entered into a covenant relationship with them called marriage. I know my wife after 17 years so much more now than I did then. Is that how? Okay. I need to work on mine. You were working on I that? Need, okay. I need to work on London, that. London, we're praying for you. <laughs> um, but, it, and so the same thing in our walk with the Lord, like we entered into this covenant relationship with Christ when I was saved. My knowledge of God was very, very little. Yeah. I mean, to be very honest, like the the knowledge aspect of who Christ is for salvation is not that much. Yeah. Pretty deep. But now in that relationship, God's like, all right, now let me show you who I really am. And and we and we just continue to yeah. grow and continue to grow and continue to grow. And so, like the analogy I was telling my son about, like if you're if you're like hiking along and there's like a creek and you want to see how deep it is and you throw like a rock in there, and you could tell like if it's gonna hit and like, kaboom, yep. Or if it's just like, oh, it's not that deep. Like you look at Christianity and there's places you throw a rock and it's like, yeah, that's deep right there. Yeah. And and I want people to see that just to show like, uh, hey, there's there's room for you in the deep end. Yeah. If you want to come swimming, there's room for you. And the Lord wants to, and that's the, that's the beautiful part. All of this, every time we geek out, every time we talk about the depth, like don't lose sight of the grace of God that he has willingly Mm -hmm. revealed himself so that we could find out. Right. Like, so when I was dating my wife, if she wanted like, Hey, let's, let's go to dinner and we can hang out. Like I never was like, Nah, I really don't want to get to know you that much. Yeah. Like, I like this superficial level of... Keep it nice and shallow. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's... No, no, no. It was like, oh, you want to hang? Yeah, let's go. Like, you know how many tests I did not study for in nursing school? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Ashley, right? (laughs) Cramming at the last minute, driving to school because I got to pass this test. Why didn't you study? Because I was hanging out with my girlfriend. Trying to get to know my girlfriend better. Exactly. You know, and, and so this is the grace of God to say like, okay, you are finite, you are sinful, you are da 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 but because of my grace in salvation, also in revealing himself yeah. to us, like, when you think of it in that way, like, why wouldn't we want to go as deep as we can, you know? And and some people just don't have that kind of, like, desire whatsoever, like some, nah, like, getting too intellectual, which I try to always steer it, like, it is intellectual, but it's not just intellectual. Yes, it's, exactly. Like, I'm not trying to, what I've always appreciated is, and I've heard people say, you know, when you geek out, it's not, uh, hey, let me show you how smart I am. You know? <laughs> Nobody believes that. Nah. <laughs> you did a lot of studying for that one. There we go. Um, and that's the thing is like, there, there is an, there is a, uh, an aspect of it that has to be intellectual because yeah. God gave us brains to yeah. use, but it's not like, Oh, my whole goal is just to have this super found like incredible knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. That didn't make you saved. Yeah. That doesn't make you Christian. That may not even help you in your walk. I know scholars that know a lot about yeah. the Bible. that know a lot about Jesus. Yeah. They would, not identify as Christian agnostic or atheist, you know, whatever their title or identity is. And to see that it's so much more than just, Hey, I'm trying to fill my head with as much knowledge of who God is. And that's like the second part of the whole geeking out is also, uh, there's so many times that you hear people like, Oh, I really struggle in my faith with this, or I really struggle with this verse, or why did God do this? You know, let it be old Testament, new Testament, whatever it is. And so always trying to think through like, is it fruitful, effective? Is it encouraging the body? And that's almost another test of what I love about the geek outs is when people come up afterwards and be like, I always struggled with that thought. And I never knew how to answer that question that I had. And that helped. Thank you. Like, because there's something like, because again, our finite marred by sin brains, even though we're redeemed, saved by grace, don't get me wrong there, you know, we're still struggling through that. There's a limited understanding that we could ever obtain, but there are some good answers to some of these questions that we have in our faith. And, and there's going to, there needs to be moments that we geek out a little bit and lean into those for that. And so that's the other part of it is, you know, some of these things are actual major struggles for some people or, 
Uh, if we don't lean into those answers, it can give us a wrong view of who God yeah. is. And if you play that out longer um, and carry that out further, it could have really detrimental effects uh, on our faith. And and so sometimes people that that walk away from their faith, you know, not to go down that whole Calvinism Arminian thing, but you know, people are like, oh, I don't go to church anymore because, you know, the whole problem of evil. I think is a hard one. If yeah. God's so good, why evil? And and there's good answers to that. And those are the things that people are walking away from a faith in Jesus about. And it's like, I want to lean into those. Not run away from them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But it's going to have to take like, all right, we got to geek out here, you know? And again, like you said, we try to do it in a fun way. We try to do it in a way that's, it's not just seminary class, Yeah. but to really deepen our relationship with the Lord is the idea. So, so speaking that, of that questions, is geeking. Okay, that, that, question. was, that was the that's, geek out. So that's the, the out. overview of what geeking out means. That's, ex- that's exactly right. So, um, I, here's how I would I want to approach okay. uh, today's breakdown, whether it's one part or two. Um, you're the guy that is up on stage mm-hmm. specifically two weeks ago, yeah. so you're probably the guy that's gotten the phone calls, the text messages, the emails. A couple. So <laughs> I would love to know all of yeah. them, some of them. What What are some of the questions coming mm-hmm. out of the last two weeks that has been a struggle for people, or they wanted clarification because? If I know anything in my own walk, mm-hmm. I'm not the only one that's had that question. And a lot of times we feel insecure or scared to ask that question because for whatever reason, you know, yeah. but someone was willing to press the envelope, ask the question. And so I would love to know from you, the guy on the stage, what some of those questions were and what the yeah. response and answers were. And then if not, I, I got a couple. I think like to overarch it all. I think one of the biggest, like if you had to sum them all up and they're all generalized to the same thing, um, I always use analogies and stories. That's how, like, I, that's what a good pastor does. Takes a small sentence and talks longer on it. Like, it's the most accurate what, thing I've ever heard. What, what was your first car? What, what was your first car? Uh, 2001 Pontiac Torrent. Really? No, no. First car, Grand Am. Sorry. A Grand Am. I had a okay. That, that's going to be Am. an easy one for this analogy. I remember my first car. It was like the one that I I kind of bought. It was a Sunfire. I just, oh, a Pontiac Sunfire. A Pontiac Let's Sunfire, go. Right? So I never saw one on the road. Until you bought one. Until I bought one. 100%. And all of a sudden, it was like, the once I knew about what this car was, and I definitely was not a car kid in high school by any means. It was like, it was red, and it looked okay. It, it was drove like, me places. Exactly. That That's all the way. It, but once I bought it, it's like, everybody has one. Yep. So in the same sense, like me bringing to light, because we, the last, uh, not last week, but the week before, the week we're talking about, talked about the metaphysical and the metaphorical attributes mm-hmm. of God, and specifically wanted to lean into the metaphorical to to break that down so that when we were talking about God is love, that's not a metaphor. Mm-hmm. That's a metaphysical. That, that talks based on the way that God actually is, like a literal understanding of who God is. He is love. We're not being metaphorical about it. And I wanted to teach on that well, because that's the easiest way I thought to say, yeah, this isn't metaphor. This is, we are talking about who God truly is. So pause that real quick. So metaphor Metaphor. would be God is, God is a rock. God is a rock. God is a rock. God is not a rock. Yeah. He is not a rock. He doesn't have eyes. Yep. Doesn't have a, hand, but the eyes of the Lord are moved to and fro. He upholds us with yep. his righteous right hand. Those are all metaphorical statements, statements. Ab- you know, about God, not metaphysical. Just to clarify. Yeah. Don't ever want to assume. And so then I think the number one thing that I was getting is once people kind of saw that, then when they started going through thinking of different verses, they're like, so is that it? And, and so yeah. now they were seeing it so much more because we brought a little bit of light to it. Um, and that's some of the questions specifically within God's emotions. Like we understand God is not a rock. Like, you know, Peter's not going to open up the pearly gates, which is not biblical and, and walk us into heaven. It's right. Podcast. And, we'll break and, that down. And then we like, and Peter's going to be like, all right, you ready for this? Like, you, you know how Jesus renamed me from Simon to Peter. And that means rock. Well, that's because God is a rock. And we look at the altar and, and you have the seraphim singing and chanting and shouting, holy, 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 and there's a rock on the throne. No, that's not, yeah. They, <laughs> that, that's, I can see it now. Yeah, <laughs> All glory is in this dark mass of rock. There is right there. Yeah, that, that's God. God in rock form. Oh hmm. my God. Yeah, that's not, so <laughs> that's, that's metaphorical. And so we understand that when we think of 
you know, we talked about three different types of, uh, and you could really sum them up. There are these anthropomorphisms, meaning that we give God man-like attributes to better understand him, yep. but it's all metaphor, yep. you know? And so is God in human form, human emotions, um, and, and that was the one that I think people really got to, because obviously God's not a rock. We understand God is spirit and truth, and so he's not covered in feathers. He doesn't, you know, we understand that. It was when we got to the emotion side of it, because mm-hmm. some people have struggled, like, you know, like, did God change his mind when, you know, he created humanity, but then right before the flood, he's like, oh, I want to wipe everybody out, yeah. but Noah found favor, like, did God change there? Or uh, he, he does the same thing with Moses. He wants to tell, I'm going to wipe out Israel, but I'm going to start over with you. And Moses is like, no, you be a God of who yeah. you are, you know, and, and you're that covenant God. And so God doesn't do that. Well, did God change his mind? Mm. Did he change his emotions? You know, how did God relent? How did God, you know, it's so people see these things and it's like, yeah, that, that was always a struggle because, yeah. you know, God doesn't change, but how, why did he, if he's all knowing, then how did he change his mind? Did he know he was going to change his mm. mind? And it's like all of those, and and again, finite brain, talking about an infinite mind, we're trying to understand. And, and so looking at that, we have to understand that God didn't change. That That is a metaphysical, how he literally actually is. He, he didn't change his mind, but that, that was a metaphorical way to describe. Um, and I even got my notes from, from that Sunday, because when we use these metaphorical uh, attributes of God. When we talk about that, they're often describing his ability, not his attributes. And the biggest thing is it usually is to evoke a response from us. Mm. And so that's what that's. And so we have to understand that the style of writing uh, was in that, that, that the, the writers of scripture were using metaphorical statements about the attributes of God, because a re- God requires, God wants a response from us to him, who he is, and his abilities and what he's done. So that, I think, if, if I had to sum it all up, it was all within the scope of that, more the emotion. That's where that's where 90% of people I talk to got hung up. Yeah, because the, the metaphysical attribute of God, and what we were talking about, is impassibility. And I made the joke of like, oh yeah, God doesn't can't pass anybody in his car when he's going down the highway, and I got like three laughs, which if that was one of you, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But the Lord, <laughs> the Lord saw that, you know, amongst the heathens, you laughed. I know you appreciate that. <laughs> it made me feel wonderful. <laughs> we have one person that serves. They they think the funniest thing is is when I make jokes. I know and exactly nobody, yep. yeah, and nobody laughs. He laughs then, and it's like, oh, I love. And he's you. the one person in the back laughing. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> yep, uh-huh. that's it. Kind of chuckles. But the that metaphysical attribute talking about God's impassibility, meaning. That he can't undergo suffering or changing emotions. And so a lot of people were like, does that mean that God doesn't have emotions then? And it's like, no, God has emotions. Yeah. But how an infinite, omniscient, all powerful, all everything mind experiences his own emotions mm-hmm. is different than what we would. Yep. And and one person I thought did a great job. I was hearing this about a life group, uh, and they said, you know, think of like a two year old. You you have a two year old. Oh boy, do how's I. she doing? How's she's she doing? She's so good. <laughs> she's so good. She's right. not here right now. Does, so she's yeah, great. we can talk about it. Um, so Layton <laughs> yep. is is your is your two year old. Did she, did she ever get angry? Oh boy, <laughs> all the time. Now, does she experience anger? That might be, is there a gap between how she experiences anger compared to how maybe an adult would experience anger? Oh, a hundred percent. Absolutely. And you're both on the same side of being a finite mind. Yeah. So you got to think of the gap of how we as created humans experience the same emotions. Because like, yes, God has emotions for personhood. You have to have a mind, a will, and emotions. That's what makes you a person, me a person, not a fleshly body mind, will, and emotions, but how God experienced his emotions, it's far and above than how we would experience emotions. Mm. And, and I like that child to an adult analogy, because yes, it, anger is real to your two-year-old and anger is real to you, but it's going to be experienced in a different way. Yeah. Now just put that on a finite and infinite level. So God experiences emotions, but the idea is, and this is, I think the hard part, we as the created 
creature being can't affect mm. the creator. So when we say things like, when we sin, we are breaking God's heart, that's a metaphorical thing because he's not pining away and, oh, I wish oh, Nick would yeah. walk in obedience with me. And it is like, understand, God is who he is. Yeah. Like, he, he's not this middle school girl pining away because he didn't get asked to the dance. Like, no, God is who he is. Yeah. And, and that's where understanding the grace of why would he even create us like that is out of grace because it wasn't to supplement or fill some void in who God is. He's yeah. unchanging. He is, he, he is, he is fully everything without being, and there's no possibility of changing or, or being less than or without, you know, because to say that, to, to say that God would suffer would be a less than of, of any emotion. And if he wasn't, then you would have a fullness of that emotion. Yeah. It's like, well, God just changed right there yeah. and we can't do that. And so, and, and so that's a, you know, his impassibility, like he does have emotions. And when, one of the ways I think to carry that out in a very metaphysical way, a very literal way is like, God always hates sin. Right. And God always loves righteousness. Yeah. Right. Unlike, so both of us are married. Sorry, ladies, we're going to talk about you here for one second. Jerron didn't know. London, uh, don't be mad at Jerron. He didn't know this was I about to happen. Do, do you ever wake up and you're just in a great mood and maybe your significant other not so happy that day? Every day. <laughs> Every day. <laughs> right. You just, we all wake up on the wrong side of the bed sometimes. We just, ne like, honestly, yeah. we just never know, like, like, and I've done that. I woke up really grumpy because I didn't get good sleep or, you know, something was on my mind. Yeah. I couldn't sleep. And so my wife wakes up and she's like, why are you grumpy? Like, we never have to do that with God. We never have to wonder, mm. is he in a bad mood? No, God is who he is. And he is, and that's a, gr I, I, I love that. Yeah. I never have to wonder. There's no question about yeah. it. Like, I know. Like, if I go home, like, are my daughters and my son going to be in a good mood when I get home? I will find out when I walk in yeah, the door. exactly. But we don't have to approach God that way. We know that he always hates sin. That he's never going to change from that because he is holy and righteous. Yep. And he always loves goodness and righteousness and kindness. But we still do it. Like, we still approach him that way. The way that we talk about it, the way that we walk into church, like, even within my own walk in my own life, going back to your Pontiac car example, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, I didn't realize how many times I think through the lens of I changed God's emotion, you know, mm -hmm. you know, like through that lens, like mm -hmm. totally unaware the, the Christian E sayings and phrases that I use that have been used. I'm like, Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. So think about that. Like, okay, you went to church Sunday. Awesome. That is a good thing to do. And the Lord is pleased by that. Yeah. Now, is he grieved that you weren't there the Sunday before? No, because God is God. Yeah. Like, have a little reverence here yeah. like that. Like he, he's not again, pining like, Oh no, like and, and again, go to church. And, and then you tie it in with his omniscience. So like he knew you weren't going to be there. Yeah. He knew you were sleeping. He wasn't in. surprised. Yeah, he's but... not shocked by that. There's nothing like, and that's what's, and honestly, that's what is a difficult thing for us in our finite mind to try to understand this infinite. And it's like, it's almost an impossible, ta impossible task upon us as pastors is like, okay, Hey, you're finite marred by sin. Here's the word. Try to explain me to people. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. I'm flipping burgers and McDonald's. <laughs> like I know I can I'm do that. I'm right? out. But that's and and that's where I want to lean into. And that's been the cool response for me yeah. from two Sundays ago was uh the the challenge was thrown down. And some people looked at that. They like I've I've had people email and they're like, I went back to my old systematic theology books and I'm reading and leaning into this. And like I know that's right, but it caused Okay, how do I defend this question? How do I defend that? And that's the other part that I love too is like, I know I'm not the smartest person in the world. I know I'm not the smartest person in this room. False. On, depending on what topic we're talking about, right? And if I can have those questions about God mm. and I have, well, so do others. Yeah. Like, we are, I love that one line talking about evangelism, but I think we use it on anything. We're just one beggar trying to tell another beggar where to find bread. Mm. Like, that's all we are. You know, and, and even further than that, like, I want to be the beggar walking with the other beggar and saying, hey, I know the bread maker. Come with me. Yeah. You know, and and so we're all on this journey trying to figure it out. So it's not like I still struggle with some of this and thinking, well, how does this work together? How's that work together? And it's and but what I know is, is God is good. Yeah. God's real. God. God exists. God is good. Jesus is real. He loves me. Died on the cross for me. Rose again. Like I have new life in him. He's coming back again and he loves me. 
And like, so if there's certain things, it's like, man, I don't know about that. Like that, that's a, that's a hardware. I'm still processing that good. Cause if I could completely figure out God, <laughs> that, he, he ceases to be God. If my finite no faith Savannah, Missouri educated brain could figure <laughs> him out, you know? And so it, it is fun to like jump into the deep end of the pool, but also at the same time to never lose sight of the mission yeah. of it either. And I forgot who I was talking to, but I said something to the effect of like, if I stand before the Lord or when I stand before the Lord, not if, when we have a bigger, we all ever. are going to stand before the Lord. <laughs> when I stand before the Lord, you know, if he's like, Hey, back in 2023 impassibility, eh, you were off by a little bit, but I love miles and miles. Yeah. But I love that you trusted my yeah. grace and my love and you, and you wanted people to have a relationship with me. I would much rather have that conversation than I stand before the Lord. And he's like, all right, 2023 impassibility, dude, spot on. But you never made an impact at the lake. Mm. You never were my hands and my feet. Ooh. You know, like you didn't talk about the attributes that were easily understandable, like unconditional love and grace. Mm. And so, and so I always put in that frame of mind because again, understanding God's impassibility, I love because I feel like that gives us a boldness to approach God. Yeah. Because it that's, I think, the verse says, boldly approach the throne of God. That, and that's where we find grace and mercy and, and help in a present time of need. It's like, because God has always said, come to me. That has never changed. Yeah. You know, like, there's sometimes I tell people, like, hey, if you need help, give me a call. And there's some people I don't say that to. <laughs> but God has always extended that to us. And so because he is unchanging, because he is impassable, because he's all those things, it's like, that gives us a greater understanding of who he is so that the response from us, like, I can have boldness then yeah. because I know that he is always this and he can't not be who he is. So why do I try to hold back mm -hmm. sin when he's like, you know, you are faithful and just, I will forgive you. Like he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Like that's never going to change. And so boldly approach him. And yeah, that. He's never going to look at me and be like, I'm never going to walk up to the Lord, you know, approach the throne and say, like, I, I sinned again. I fell short. I like I snapped at my wife or the person that cut me off driving. Like I told me you're number one in my heart. Yeah, exactly. I, I am unbecoming of what you've called me to do. He's never going to look at me and say, that's it, Nick. Like, I'm done. I'm done. That's, I gave you too many enough. chances. Yeah. Like, you've broke my heart too many times. No, he's going to say, I love you. Here's my grace. And that's, for me, why the metaphysical attribute of his impassibility, his immutability, unchanging and not going to undergo changing emotions. It's like, man, that's, he is who he is. And that's what Yahweh means. I am who I am. And I'm unchanging from that. And you, you can't change that. I change you. You don't change me. Yeah. And that was one of the, down at the conference, we were talking about the attributes of God. That was the theme. And that was one of the things that I loved was the very first session, uh, the two lines that he said, and this was um, Gallagher, Jim, Jim, Jim Gallagher. Gallagher. Yeah, from uh, Vero Beach, uh, Florida, Calvary Chapel, Vero Beach. Hello. Notes. There we go. Oh, you got notes from it? Yep. He said, it is not our job to define God. It is our job to discover mm, God. Yep. And he was talking about having no graven images, no carved yep. idols or anything like that, because... We we don't make God in our image or after our likeness of even he what we He changes yep. us, and that's the beautiful part. Like that's why the metaphysical attributes of God are so important because He's changing us, and that's what we talked about. As He is, so are we to be in the world. Back going back to First John, as He is, like well, we have to understand who He is then, and that's yeah. what kind of started the whole geek out a little bit is. So when we say, why do we want to be the hands and the feet of Jesus? Because that's who he is. Yeah. Why do we want to do Because that's who he is. And we, as his ambassadors, as his image bearers, the Imago Dei, which yep. I, I just learned that that was your youth group name. I'm right. Well, it, we did a live. No, no, no. When you were in youth group. Oh, when we were in, oh gosh. Wasn't it Imago Dei? No. Who no, was no. Imago Dei? I thought that was, Sean knows somebody that was. Somebody had that as their youth. That was their that youth, was youth. I was like, that's a little age. too Christian-y. I thought that. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. Oh, and Alive's much better. No. It wasn't, trust me. That. I thought that was the youth no. group that you grew up in was no, no. called Imago Dei. No. Who is that? 
We were talking to somebody. somebody. I vaguely See? remember that conversation. See, I'm unchanging. I'm, I'm, I'm. You, no, not, you are not. Unchanging. You are changing. I'm changing in my memory of who I talked to. Like, but God never forgets. Amen. So oh. that that I think was the biggest thing. What questions did? Because I people grabbed you in the foyer. Oh, man, I've, I've, they came I've, after you. I, they came after me. If they don't want to talk to me, they go to the one of the other pastors. They're like, because they know they can they can get me in a corner. Like, see, I knew, and I'm like, you need to talk to Nick. Here's Nick's email. Here's his personal phone oh, number. Here's his home number. Here's his dare. wife's cell phone number. Don't you dare. Um, so these were some, like, I had a couple. I, yeah. These were, I think, ones that stood out to me. And, and we won't go through all of them. No, good. I, I don't want to do, like, the rapid fire Q&A. But is. just to go through. How many can we go in 30 seconds? Deep theology. <laughs> that seems like a terrible idea. Pull. Go. No. <laughs> um, so uh, if Jesus is God and he feels human emotions, mm. does this mean? Uh, sorry, hold on. Nope, I got to back up to that. Um, since Jesus is 100% God and 100% mm. human, does he feel human emotions? Yes. But to perfection. Mm. Well, I definitely wouldn't say... Uh, not perfection, because that would be smearing. Like, would you leave it at, like, God. would you take off the perfection to say, yeah, he feels human emotions? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they're what you have to. So when you get to Jesus, the the component that you have to, because, you know, when we're talking about God, we're just talking about his essence, his being just yeah. this sheer divinity, God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, when you get to specifically Jesus, the one component that you have to account for is Jesus is two natures mm. he has a hundred percent divine nature and a hundred percent human nature so going to okay how do you how do you defend the impassibility of jesus then as god so when when jesus was tired or thirsty or sleepy like so did god change then when he was in the wilderness for that 40 days of, human, that's his human his nature divinity. not okay. in his divinity so that like he looks at the pharisees and he can understand their thoughts that's in his divine nature. But then when the Bible says nobody knows the hour of the day, not even the sun, that's mm. in his human nature. And so you have to look at that and say, okay, which nature of Christ are we talking about? Brings a whole complex a whole nother complexity into a whole it. Whole nother complexity into it. Right. And he has to be the God man for salvation. If you if you diminish any one of those, the, the divine or the human nature of Christ, salvation is not possible. And that's, for me, for Christianity, I love the paradoxes of Christianity. Like where you have these two almost opposing thoughts, and they feel like they're in conflict, mm. but they fit beautifully together. Sometimes even when we can barely even understand how is that, yeah. and we get to sit in the tension of it, you know, so is God sovereign? Absolutely. And I would slap the person that says that God is not sovereign, yeah. but also there is free will of man. Well, how do those fit beautifully together in God's mind? That upside down kingdom mentality. Oh yeah, absolutely. What our world says, it seems to be, and, and not everything, but a lot of things, the yeah. Lord does the opposite, mm -hmm. you know, serve yourself. Yeah. First should be last, last should be first. You know, it's like, okay, okay here we go. Um, <laughs> I don't like we that. just take a, a big deep breath and be like, all right, this is what I'm called to. Here we go. But I love those kind of paradoxes when you get to it. And and for me, it brings so much clarity. Like if nobody taught me that full, like divine nature, human nature, okay, let's say that, that you were never taught that. And then you're reading along in the Bible and you see that, you know, Jesus gets tired. And it's like, well, God got tired. Because we're telling people Jesus is God. And then and then Jesus is tired and needed a little nappy nap. Yeah in the boat while they were, you know, and it's like the whole world was coming to an like, end. My God needs to take a nap. I mean, how is that any better than when you go back to like Elijah and what is it? First or second Kings 18, when he has all the prophets of Baal and, and they're going to, they have the ox. Oh, they're going to light him on yep. fire. And he's like, and, and Elijah is mocking 450 oh, prophets yeah. of Baal. And he's like, Hey, is your God gone he's to gone the bathroom? side? He's going is to he the bathroom. Uh... I love that. And it's like, how are we any different than the prophets of Baal? If our God needs a nap because he's yeah. he, he just got a little you know tuckered out preaching the gospel of the kingdom, well, no, that's his human nature, yeah. and that's where understanding you know that's why theology, the study of God, matters so much because it could lead us into some really dangerous waters, you know, and and some people do that, like so so go with let's carry one of these dangers out and let's go. Okay, here's the craziness, right? I, th there is a theological stance called process theology. 
Heard of it? Never heard of it. Never heard of it? I don't think so. You probably, okay. Um, and even like, and I'm talking some smart dudes, not like, you know, people like me. I'm talking some smart dudes hold to this theological stance and they've, and they've changed to it. So it wasn't like something okay. they were brought up in. It was, it was as they're studying God, they couldn't uh, navigate and synthesize a couple things about who God is. So process theology attacks God's omniscience. Oh boy. And this is how it usually comes about. And, and we're just going to get like real graphic real quick here, right? So if somebody is confronted with a situation like this, like I have, I have teenage, I have a teenage daughter. If somebody broke into my house and did something absolutely ungodly and holy, unholy to my teenage daughter, like people would struggle and say, well, if God is all knowing, he knew that was going to happen. Yes, why God didn't is he all stop it? Why didn't he stop it? Because yep. isn't he all powerful? Isn't he all loving? Then why didn't he stop that? Yeah. Process theology attacking the omniscience of God would say, God didn't know. He's still in process like everybody else. He didn't know that that rapist was going to break into your house. He's, we're, we're all figuring, he can't, it, it's not even a foreknowledge, which is, I believe, a metaphysical, I'm sorry, metaphorical yeah. attribute. God is eternal. I don't want to attack his eternality. He sees past, present, future, all as it is currently, as if it's currently happening. Yeah. So there's no, there's no tomorrow to God and there's no yesterday to God. It is all boom right there. Yeah. You're right. And, and so a process theologian would say, yeah, God didn't know that that was going to happen. That's why he couldn't stop it. So the process theologians say that God isn't outside of time then. That's the crazy. Like part. he lives within the confines of time. You would have to say you have to, and and here's the danger part of that. So let's go just like science real quick. Einstein's theory of general relativity: yep. time, space, and matter all coexist. You can't have time without space and matter. You can't have space without time and matter, and you can't have the third without the other two. They all coexist together. Yes. And so, um, anything within time that means there would there was nothing before time, and if God is within time, then He can't be before time. So he had to have been created. There has to, to be a beginning. Exactly, there because be there end. was a beginning of time. And if God it was within just time, exists. exactly. Well, I don't know that I could believe in a God yeah. that now, isn't and, omniscient. And there's a really great book uh, of Defending Our Faith. It was written by uh, Lee Strobel, The Case okay. for Christ. Yeah, yeah. They're one of the leading minds that he interviews about the resurrection of Jesus. He is a process theologian. Interesting. And within the context of what Lee was writing, very, very smart, but also a part of his his theology that I don't know if he was there when like Lee interviewed him and wrote that book, yeah. but ha, ha, is a process theologian. And it's like, there's a struggle there, you know, uh, to understand that. So that that's process theology. I've and, never. Yeah. And and so that's why, like, so when I when we're talking about who is God, he's omniscient, like, all right, what's that really matter? Play it out, like practically there. There's you know? a huge problem yeah. played out. Now you still have to answer that question. So how is God all knowing, um, all loving, all powerful? And that still happened. How do you answer that? That we still need to answer it. Yeah. But we want to do it in a way that does not attack the character of God, that that fits within who he truly is, his metaphysical attributes, and and handle that well. And that's those are the difficulties of Christianity, because if you were, I mean, imagine you, us as a pastor, and we have those parents in our office looking for counseling. Yeah. And it's like, okay, we as pastors who, who love the Lord, defending who he is, like believing in his grace and his mercy and his love, and understanding, like, how, how do you answer that to a couple then? Calling in sick that day. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, and that, and, yeah, exactly. That's the, those are some of the struggles that are before us. And that's why I love, you know, my favorite, uh, my favorite professor was a guy named Norman Geisler. Mm -hmm. I actually have his systematic theology book like right there. Yeah, Nick brought in, in this. I need to, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing this. Yeah. Look if at, you're watching look, on YouTube. That, that is, look at that bad boy. Like that is the size of like three Big Macs thick. Or probably whatever. the size. Let me see that. There you go. It's probably the size of my pointer finger. Oh, it is the full thickness of my pointer finger. Yeah. Like don't go Bible thumping. Go systematic theology volume Bible so put thumping. Put your Bible away. When you pull out systematic theology... That that could kill that, somebody. That's right there. Yeah, you're you're, you're doing business, <laughs> right? Uh, Samson had a jawbone. I got I got this. I got a systematic theology. <laughs> <laughs> but he wrote a great book, "If God Why Evil," and he mm, walks yep. through all of those. Which, for me, I think the hardest one to answer is like natural disasters. So we just had all these like earthquakes in yeah. Turkey, 
And in a little bit, you know, going back to our Florida conference, you know, one of the speakers talked about the justice of God mm-hmm. and his jurisdiction, not over just individuals, yeah. but over nations and over peoples. And that brought clarity. That was super yeah. good. Yeah. So that was, super and that's good. one of the commentators that I read weekly. That's kind of fun. One of the guys that I read every week, um, looking at scripture, uh, to be able to hear him speak and be able to like meet him. And it's oh, like, yeah. Oh, Hey, like you, he scares me. <laughs> he scares me straight up. His name is David Guzik, by the way. So anyway, sweet last name. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's some crazy. What else you got? So you there? brought up second or you brought up first Kings. Okay. Okay. So here's this question. Oh, Go to first Kings, first Kings chapter 11. That's right after chapter 10. And, and it, before 12. <laughs> I use that joke all the time. Nobody oh laughs. Gosh. Nobody laughs. Um, first Kings. First Kings chapter 11. Yep. Go to verse 9. Verse 9. Verse I, I don't normally like doing this. We're going to kind of cherry pick. I had, I had no idea we're going here. Yeah. So and okay. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, my knowledge of First Kings, I'm telling you, baby, that's what I read Deep. every morning. <laughs> sure it is. <laughs> yeah. Out of all 66 all books. All the books. First, first Kings, Kings is your baby. bread yeah. butter. That's it right there. Okay. So First Kings 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 9. Yeah. Uh, at least in the ESV, because that's what I'm reading. I know that's what you're reading. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other lower, lowercase, lower G gods. Yeah. Um, so within that statement. Um, what up? Is that. Let me make sure I get this question correct. <laughs> is that an anthropomorphic statement? Because it says that the Lord was angry with Solomon. Yeah. So did the Lord become angry? Because that's an emotion. It would be an anthropopathic. Anthropomorphic is describing God in That's That was, okay, anthropopathic. There See, it if is. I could read. Work, no. That was the Honestly, correct. you Google some of those words, like basic Google. Like, I, I can't <laughs> even spell. Apparently, it is sitting in front of me, spelled correctly, and I can't no, even good. pronounce yeah, it it's correctly. A, so an anthropopathism is describing God and changing human feelings. That's a metaphorical statement. Okay. There's like three different types. And so an anthropopathic, where that clues us in, describing God with changing human feelings, because you see that. You see God relents. You see God mm-hmm. changes mind. You see, and it's like, well, I thought the Lord doesn't change. So what... What is going on right here? And so the Lord, this is Yahweh, was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who appeared to him twice, commanding him not to do the thing, should not go after other gods. Uh, but he did not keep what Yahweh commanded, right? And so uh, one of the things, again, metaphorical statements about God uh, evoke a response. Mm. Okay, so it, it is a anthropopathic statement. Yeah, that word. Because God wasn't like, oh, Solomon, I love this guy. And then change. Change. Yeah. And then because of because of Solomon's change of heart, yep. and be like, dude, what's I'm mad at you now. Like, why did you do that? We were such good friends, and now you're not because you're running after other gods. Like, let me punch you in the face. Like, okay, so that's not God. But what's the response? Solomon. Follow the Lord, the God of your fathers. Yeah. Like, don't change from righteousness. And so you go back to the commandments, right? That he, he's still in that uh, uh, season of under the law. It's like, have no other gods before yeah. me. And you're, you're turning aside and you're worshiping the gods of all your 700 wives and 300 concubines or vice versa. Like, that's just way too many women, <laughs> right? That's a lot. That is too that's much. A lot. I don't even know if I know a thousand women. <laughs> nope. And thank you, Lord, for that. Okay. No, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> Come on. All right. So that is an anthropopathic statement. Now, what we have to understand, like, so God has all these attributes, but he's he's a simple, like God's simplicity is another um metaphysical attribute of mm-hmm. God. God is simple. So he doesn't have a bunch of parts. And this was a challenge for me when I was in seminary, is like, okay, so. It's not just like, oh, over here's God's anger and over here's God's love. And then you got God's wrath and then you got God's this. Like, he is who he is. Yeah. And the best simple analogy, talking about the simplicity of God, meaning simplicity, meaning that there's no parts to him. He is who he is, is like a racquetball. Okay. Is a racquetball more spherical, more blue, more rubbery, or more bouncy? 
Yes. Exactly. It's all of those things at once. And if you remove even one of those attributes, it's no longer a racquetball. Right. So if you okay. remove the rubber from the racquetball, it's no longer a racquetball. If it's not blue, it's not technically a racquetball. Now I'm sure somebody's like, oh, they have yellow ones now. Okay. Just go with the analogy. Don't be that person. Thank you. Okay. Don't be if that you, person. If you make a square blue rubber bouncy thing, that's not a racquetball. It's a square ball. Yeah. So God is who he is. And so the greatest analogy is your cup empty. Nope. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> Slam it and I'll, we'll try this analogy. All right. So God is who he is. And, and my, my professor, who is with the Lord now, he, he's passed. I never got a chance to meet him face-to-face. Yeah. It was all online, sadly. Um, he would talk about, like, God, God is simple. He is who he is. Here's an analogy. God is a waterfall just dumping down, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what we would see talking about, like, rejecting God or accepting God, like, it's like a waterfall just dropping on us, right? And there's probably going to be a drop that comes out. That's fine. Um, so if you're watching on YouTube, the cup is upside down. Okay. And the waterfall is just hitting the bottom of the cup, which is up top side. There's no water going into it. Correct. No water going into okay. it. So the emptiness that you feel is the wrath of God, the anger of God, the dis- like you're feeling that because the emptiness, because you're not catching anything that God is. Yeah. But if you repent, which means to turn, if you turn your life, the cup of your life upside, the right side up, now you'll start catching who God is. The waterfall never changed. See, I always thought I'm over here to the left under the wrath of God. I need to move it. And then I need to move it over here to the other side. And now here's the love of God. No, no, no. God doesn't move. We move in relation to God. And so we're turning our cup right side up. And so for me, if, if anything, Solomon had his cup right side up and he was following the Lord. But then because of the hot women in his life, he started turning his cup upside down. down. Mm -hmm. And so now what he was experiencing is the presence of the Lord with his cup right side up. He is now experiencing the emptiness and it's going to feel like anger. It's going to feel like, and so that's the anthropopathism, meaning God never changed. The waterfall never stopped. We changed in relation to who God is because now we're not accepting the fullness. We are rejecting from it and we're going to see that in different ways. And so many times we think, you know, we wake up and all hell breaks loose in our life that the waterfall, it going back to like the waterfall is stopped. It's yes. dried up. Like, yes. oh, this is punishment for something that I did or did not do. Yeah. Therefore, the waterfall stopped or it's moved elsewhere and I need to go yeah. fix, change and find that waterfall where it's like, no, the waterfall never stops running. It yes. never stops flowing. It never stops producing water. Yeah. We move. Yeah, it's not like we, with a cup of our lives, have to keep like, oh, it's over here. No, it's over here. Or, like, I only want his love. I don't want his right. Like, no, God is is who he is. You yeah. can't separate attributes of who God is. Like, God is. Like, again, you you remove any part of the racquetball, that's no longer God. The, the anthropopathisms are statements to try to, again, evoke a response, talking yeah. about God's abilities, not really his attributes. Turn your cup right side up and receive the fullness of what God is and... And so that's where, like, you know, Paul says we're, we were a child of wrath, now we're a child of God. And, and we think we're changing from uh, one God to another God. So, no, no, we, we are changing. Yeah. God's not changing. He's always been that same God. He always hates sin, and he always loves righteousness. We're just changing in response to God. Instead of rejecting him, having that emptiness inside of our upside-down cup, we're turned right side up, and we're accepting, we're being filled with the fullness of who God is now. Which makes it seem like at times like the Lord is changing based on our, oh yeah, like, okay, I'm living in sin. Mm -hmm. The Lord isn't changed. Yeah. I have changed. Therefore, the Lord is angry. Yeah. Not, oh, the Lord, you know, it. Yeah. Fire is fire, (laughs) right? Fire is fire. If it's It's in your fireplace, it's, it's wonderful. If, if it's, it's out outside, of yeah, exactly. You right? call nine one one. Oh, absolutely. Like fire is a wonderful thing. Like you can go take a cow, add a little fire, and you know some sword work, some knife work, and you're going to have a beautiful, wonderful steak. It's going to taste delicious. You take that same fire, and and instead of applying it to a steak, it you know you burn your hand. The fire never changed. Like the the essence and the being of what fire is never changed, but how it was applied and, and viewed yep. and seen. Well, well, why is that? That's such a bad fire. No, fire is just fire. But if it's not if it's not in its appropriateness, and and the appropriateness is our response to God. God is who He is. Quit 
walking through life with your cup upside down, rejecting the very person who wants to fill your life. Turn your cup right side up of that. Mm. And I always love that analogy because yeah. for me, like I can just look at my life and it's like, depending on any aspect of it, my own personal walk, ministry, whatever, it's like, where am I turning the cup away from the fullness of the Lord? Yeah. You know, and it, and that's where for me, I think it has a great visual of where repentance is, mm. is turning to the fullness of what God is to accept instead of rejecting them. So. And that's such a beautiful picture because if you've been around church land for any amount of time, we talk about, you know, where are you getting filled? Yeah. Are you getting filled in the world? Are you allowing the world to fill you up? And with that, that's great because it's like, hey, I'm being filled by the Lord. Oh, I'm going to be filled filled by the world. So now my cup is either completely upside down or it's at three o'clock or yep. six o'clock. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm getting a little splash here and there. Mm -hmm. I'm not getting the fullness of the Lord. There's still an emptiness in there that, that is longing for yeah. the fullness. Yep. What we would say the fullness of God. Yeah, absolutely. Where some people wouldn't be able to put like, I still just feel empty and sad and depressed. And it's like, you feel that way because yeah. your life isn't in alignment with the Lord. You are Absolutely. not experiencing the fullness of joy, the fullness of what the Lord has yeah. for you. Because when you're rejecting God, that waterfall is horrible and you hate it. Because it's, it's just beating you up. Yeah. It's it's just not what. Da, da, da. But once you turn and and you see that and you're not rejecting God, that waterfall is like this is living water. Mm. This is fulfilling. This is bringing life. This is cool. like it. The waterfall never changed. Yeah. But our heart did. Yeah. That's that's the context of it. And so when you read verses like that, again, um, understand and, and the reason why understanding that it's a metaphorical statement, it is an anthropopathism, is like, okay, what's my response to that? Mm. You know, where okay, it, when I sin, I actually don't change God's heart. Yeah. I don't make him mad. I'm changing in response to who God is. I'm rejecting the goodness of God and I'm creating that very own emptiness in me. Like I'm looking at the waterfall saying, this is horrible and I don't like it. Da, da, da. Because again, it evokes a response. Yeah. And that's the relational aspect of God that he wants. It's like, no, 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 keep your cup right side up. You don't want to experience the emptiness of rejecting me. You want to experience the fullness of accepting me. Yeah. And not just the moment of salvation. We're talking every day of our life. You know, and I'm not talking, can you walk away from your faith? Can you lose your salvation? No, I want the fullness of God in every day of my life and every aspect of my life. And and I go to bed at night and I think, all right, Lord, this is where I turn my cup away from you. Mm. Here, 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 and here. Give me strength that maybe it'll only have to be three times tomorrow. <laughs> instead of nine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, oh, you gave me 27. I appreciate that. I Were said you going 900? <laughs> grace, baby. That's all oh, I want grace. grace. And so that's, and so I always look at it like, okay, what's my response then? What's the response to God? Because if 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 between God and Solomon there and First Kings eleven, you know, if, if where am I in Solomon's shoes doing the same thing? Where God has commanded us to follow, trust Him, and walk with Him. Now, obviously, we're not under the law like Solomon is. We're under grace, but the same thing that I can do, I can run after yeah. different gods, and I'm not following with what God has commanded me. And it's like that's that's what we that's studying our Bible, letting good theology drive us because the response is now stay with the Lord. Don't deviate from him. Don't, you don't want the anger of the Lord upon yeah. you. So what else you got over there? You got any more? No. Any other brain busters? That's all, that's all I got. His brain's melting. You can tell. Like if you're not watching, he just, that sigh. No, no, it's, like, he's gonna, that's just me processing. Oh, no, it's good. No, I it's a it. lot. Cause a lot of the it questions is. I had were like, like yeah. they were stair steps. So if this is, then what about, you know? Yeah. And so as you answered, and that's what's crazy about, so all of this is stemming out of 1 John, you know. One book. One There's book. There's still 65 other books. A uh, uh, five-chapter one book, you know what I mean? Five Much chapters. Shorter. Yeah. Um, and But he makes three metaphysical attribute claims about who God is. God is light. God is love. God is truth. You know, so even if you just had that, like if you were, if you were a new Christian in a persecuted place and, and somebody smuggled in like, Hey, I got one book of the Bible. It's five chapters. It's five chapters. This is all I have. Cause that's what I can smuggle in. What do you got? I got first John. What could we know about God is light. So he is holy. He is righteous. That's what the light is referencing. God is love. God is love. And God is truth. I mean, even if you just had those three 
metaphysical attributes of God, like that's some fullness right yeah. there, you know, and, and obviously there's so much more to who God is. I'm not saying just, Oh yeah, grab your three favorites, but just, sure, thank you. but just in five chapters, like John's writing and he's like, I want you to know this stuff because what he's getting to, um, it, which we're going to talk about this coming Sunday is in verse spoiler. Alert. Yeah. Spoiler alert right here. <laughs> so if you don't want to know, you know, verse 13, I write these things to you, write what things, everything that he just talked about, these big things about who God is, our response to one another, our response to him, he loves us, we love because he first loved us, da, da, da. I write these things to you who believe, and we've talked about that word a ton, in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Mm. Because I want you to know these things so you don't have to run around with doubts about who God is and your relationship with him, that you do have eternal life because it is a covenant relationship that you're in, that it's unconditional, we are saved by grace, through faith, like we don't earn it, we don't work for it, nothing like that. He goes, I want you to live life with that kind of confidence. You get to get up tomorrow. Yes. And not question like, oh, did did God change his mind last night? Exactly. Like, no, no, I get up today and regardless of how I feel, mm-hmm. I'm loved. Yeah. And so even Sunday, we sang uh, a modern version of it as well mm. in a couple of the services. Mm. I think it was like second and third service. You know, and you and you understand the story of Horatio Spafford, and he's they stopped the boat where his daughters passed away mm-hmm. in the shipwreck or whatever, and the captain tells him like, "Hey, this is this the spot." Is, yep. And in the words that hit his heart, it is well with my soul. Why? Because God is who He is, Yahweh. I am who I am. Like Jesus saying, "I am." Before Abraham, I am. Nothing changing about me. Yeah. Regardless, if you just lost your kids, if you just got divorced, if you just got a cancer diagnosis, if you just have a job change, you just got fired, whatever is going through our lives as followers of Jesus, we know we can go to the bank with the full truth that God is who he is in his heart for us because we've been saved by grace through faith has not changed whatsoever. Like that's why good theology matters right there. So study up on the metaphysical attributes of God, and we'll have the test tomorrow at 7 a.m. Bring, bring, bring two number two pencils. Make sure they're sharpened. No we'll have the yeah, Scantron ready to go. You will get your results uh, 15 minutes after. We go to like such over. a deep, serious pastoral moment right into. You're like, oh, this is good. The, the and then ACT, right back out of it. ACT so. of Christianity. No, that that's good. Yeah, that's it's a, it, it's a good it's a good it's a good place to stop. It's a good place to end knowing that even that that right there is is what we cling to. Yes. That right there is the hope that we cling on to. That right there is the thing that we hold dear when all hell is breaking loose Absolutely. in my life. Not if it happens, but when it happens. And it looks vastly different for each of us. For some of us, we have the same story. For others of us, mm-hmm. your story and my story couldn't be different in some ways and in others it seems like it was written to you know to you and i and that's what we cling to and so many times how many how many counseling sessions have we sat in how many hospital beds have we sat by and people are just like he's got angry i don't know why god is doing this like how could and that's where those questions come from how could a good loving god allow this to happen one of my leading like counseling lines that i'll tell people so like they're going through the valley. Yeah. And like, I've been there. Like, I understand the feeling like it's not something, oh, I read that in a book or I took a counseling yeah. class. Like, no, no, no. Walk through the valley a couple of times. But the line that I love is your life has always been in God's hands. Nothing has changed. Mm. Yeah. But all the, your life is in God's hands. Period. No comma. Right. No but. And like, that's, that's the story of Job. Job understood. Mm. My life is in your hands. Nothing has changed. You lost 10 of your kids. You are covered in sores. You you have a nagging wife. Nothing's changed. <laughs> Nothing's changed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the nagging wife. You took my family, you took everything, but you left me a nagging wife. You could have traded something out there. But like that's the key to understand like where does where did Job's strength come from? Where does it my life is in God's hands? Nothing has changed. Why? Because God is unchanging. He's immutable, impassable. Nothing has changed. He is who he is, Yahweh. No way, Yahweh, baby. No. <laughs> there we go. Oh, welcome to the breakdown. Welcome. Thanks for listening. Go from one spectrum of crazy all the way over to the next. This is what's fun about the breakdown. Hey, seriously, thanks for thanks for sitting down and and rehashing this out after two weeks. 
And if you have any questions, Jerron at cclto.org. He will answer well, forward any of those. to Nick at cclto.org. No, seriously, <laughs> if you have questions, don't be afraid to reach out to us. Uh, find us on social. It's Calvary Chapel LOTO on all our social platforms. Uh, head over to our website, cclto.org, to find out if you want more information about our church. And uh, for now, we'll we'll put the period there for today. We'll come back next week with another brand new episode of The Breakdown. But until then, thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Later.